Hello and welcome to The W, RTE Sports podcast for sportswomen, bringing you insight and analysis on major events unfolding and shining a spotlight on champions of women's sport on and off the field. Throughout the group stages, the 2019 All-Ireland Camogie Championship has already produced some epic performances on the pitch and generated some major talking points off it. Now the top six have emerged and are poised to battle it out for the ultimate prize of the O'Duffy Cup. And we're here to tackle major talking points ahead of the start of the knockout stages this weekend. I'm Ivani Cullen and joining me is Elaine Buckley. Elaine is the producer, the uh, editor of the programme coverage of the Camogie. Are you all set for throwing? I am raring to go now. I am champo fit. I'm ready to go. Can't wait to get stuck in this weekend. Yeah, the break. We have, we're kind of just chomping at the bit now at this stage. Uh, we're also joined by Ursula Jacob, four-time All-Ireland of Wexford and now RTE hurling and Camogie analyst uh, who will be in the thick of the action throughout RTE Sports live coverage of the championship. Ursula, thanks a million for joining and welcome to the W. Thank you. Um, do you know what? We might actually start with your own county, Ursula, if you don't mind, because it's been a rocky road this season and even rumblings of it last year as well with the relegate with the intermediates um, being disbanded. The last time I spoke to you was when Wexford had no manager. That was yeah. earlier this year before they started out in the Leinster Championship. Um, they'd given Cork a walkover in the league and all the while St Martins were dominating the club game. So, you know, if it's not a case of having no talent in the county, then... How has Wexford spiralled since that three in a row winning squad that you were in? Yeah, it's hard to believe it's only seven years since we completed a three in a row and kind of reflecting on this year and now that, you know, Wexford's participation in the championship is over for 2019, I think it's important now to reflect and kind of look at what has went on in the past kind of year um, to 18 months. I suppose it first started obviously with the whole Martin Carey stepping aside and all of that. But to be honest, there's probably a number of key issues and it's kind of hard to watch it going on because you've seen the standard that we've been at when I was playing and Kay Kelly's and Mary Lacey's and obviously what we achieved was huge but to me look at there's a number of issues because I still stand by the fact that there is massive talent in the county without a doubt unfortunately we're not getting all of the best players in the county representing the county team so that's obviously a massive issue and I suppose you have to look at from the outside well what is the reason as to why they're not participating and playing with the senior team to me, there's a, a number of issues, I suppose, um, like not t- putting blame on people, but county board management structures probably aren't up at the standard that they have been at in my time. You know, I would always look back on my time at Wexford, 16 years, and we were probably one of the best counties to be looked after and supported by the county board financially, you know, traveling expenses, food, gear. You know, we were never... Um, looking for anything we were always well catered for and I'm not saying that you know I don't know the full ins and outs of what's happening now but I feel maybe there's been a standard that has dropped across the board you know even players themselves maybe they have to take responsibility from some point of view because yeah, I was going to ask you that because you yeah. mentioned the Lacey's and you know yourself you were there Kate yeah. Kelly Max Darcy there were so many leaders on yeah. that team Um. Do the Wexford does the Wexford squad have those leaders now and how much of that was player led in your time? Yeah, like look, there was obviously massive leaders and personalities in my time and you know, in fairness to the group that's there at the moment, they are a lot of younger girls. They're in their late teens, early twenties, and you know, there was always going to be a drop off from our panel. You were always going to get ten to twelve players retiring in around the same time. And I always felt that when our core group was gone, you were going to get a, a drop down maybe in some of the quality and standard but it wasn't going to drop as severe as it has. Um, And it's been hard to watch, but 
Um, you know, like some of the players that are there, as I said, are in their late 20s or uh, early 20s. And maybe some of the leaders aren't there that were there before. And it's just trying to get the core group back, you know, of girls that are there within the county now and seeing, you know, why are they not playing? Is there a reason? And I think it's in the next three to four months that are crucial for Wexford Camogie going forward because to be honest we're very 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 lucky that we're not relegated to intermediate and I was very worried going into last night's game against me that that was going to happen. You have to give them credit for last night though for yeah. pulling their season out of their fi- out of the fire like it was yeah. literally their first win of, of 2019 in competitive action yeah. so for a win like that for a squad in transition that could be the making of them obviously whatever's going around them structurally has a big impact too but for the team to pull off that win last night it's vital for them it will be for the players but if you look at the county board okay Wexford are not in the quarterfinals and that to me is a shock it's a surprise Mm -hmm. for a county that has such tradition and when you were playing like the hurlers weren't going well and everybody in the county was following the camogie team Um, so it is a big shock that Wexford are not in the knockout stages but does the county board have to take a bit of responsibility and like were they were they respectful enough of the league to actually be, be to deserve their place in the knockout stage and you see this is the thing I think uh, around the time of the whole Martin Carey scenario I think it was like oh when the Martins girls come back everything is going to be fixed but you know to be fair yeah four or five of the Martins girls came back, de- back in but that that wasn't the lo- long term solution to anything and it wasn't going to put Wexford back o- up to semi-final or final stage you know there was more problems going on and you know obviously it wasn't ideal that w- we were getting a manager coming in mid-season you know, it's too hard to try to get structures in That's place not at that for stage. the manager either. No, like it's not that we're you know, saying anything about Martin exactly. Carey, <laughs> these structures, there's a, like it all goes back to yeah. how the structures are put in place. And like yeah. you say, the next three or four months are going to be crucial because they're going to have to fix that now. Exactly. And, you know, we're going to have to build from the very bottom now again and get the, the players, the best players in the county wanting to play for Wexford because at the moment, not every player that's there is wanting to play. And to me, it was always an honour to represent my county. And I see girls that are 18, 19 years of age and they don't have any interest. And, you know, someone has to look at that and see the reason why. And I think in the next three to four months, there has to be a review, uh, there has to be reflection and then there has to be action taken, you know, because we've dele- they're in the Division 2 league next year. That can be a building you know, a platform, as you said, rebuild things. And, you know, the panel was always going to, you know, a transitional phase and whatever, but mm. we need to get back, you know, to the knockout stages. Camogie needs Wexford as well, because I'm not being biased, but Wexford always brought, brought big followings to games. I was in at a few of the Wexford games and I, I could count on my one hand the number of people in there. Whereas I remember when we were playing, and I don't mean to keep going back, but when we were there, like you could be in Wexford Park and you'd have... You know, a few thousand there. The other danger as well is that, you know, the teams that have made, like Watford making a breakthrough, this l- young Limerick yeah. team, and even Mead as well, and yeah. they've been coming for a while. That wasn't a surprise that they were in that. No. Um, they are going to pass them out because if Wexford don't play catch up, you know, they're going to get left behind by these, you know, you knew were up and coming teams. Yeah. And I like, I think it's important to look back on, on your team, Ursula, and what was achieved mm-hmm. because this year it's topical because we have Cork going for three yeah. All Ireland in a row. They haven't done it since the 70s, and the last team to do it was your team. Yeah. So less than a decade ago. So, you know, it just kind of shows the cycles teams can 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 come in and how sharp the fall off can be. And that's it. And as I said, I probably, w- I, I knew it was going to drop probably a small bit, but I wouldn't have expected only seven years ago, Wexford were going to be in a relegation final. And it was hard to kind of watch, you know, la- or, you know, to, 
keep an eye on Twitter last night to see what was going on because you know I know most of the girls that are in there and you know for the girls that really do want to play it's hard for you know to for them to be really motivated when things are just not good and they see you know the standard is just not good and we have to get it right within our own county there's no point in looking to other counties or the Camogie Association or WGPA you have to get it right in your own setup first before you look to other factors to blame. I'm not sure how helpful a Wednesday night in Clane was was either, mm. you know, in terms of fixtures and players and commitments that they have midweek in, in the evening time. I'm to just be not fair, sure if that wasn't even helping. No, and, and, and that's to both teams, you know, and as you said, like Mead are a very good team. I've played them and, you know, they don't deserve either, you know, to be going down to intermediate. I don't know, is that going to really promote Camogie and Mead? I definitely don't think the fixture should have went ahead on a midweek. You know, girls are rushing from work and, you know, even the support or anyone travelling at midweek you know I don't see the reason why it couldn't be at the weekend There was just so much hanging on that game it felt like a little bit of a kick in the teeth to have to play yeah. it on a Wednesday night and know. it was such a vital game it That's was like I mean. it was like Mead and Wexford's All-Ireland like you know Mead now are relegated and Wexford are hanging on so um, I think it deserved more respect and it should have been you know played at a weekend fixture allowing girls that will be working midweek Looking back then um, at the group stages and the games that we've been lucky enough to see, and actually one thing I would love to mention is the fact that Liberty have taken such a huge interest mm. and put their money where their mouth is in terms of streaming these matches because a lot of them, you know, we wouldn't have got to see half the yeah. half the action and that's that's the credit to them as sponsors. Obviously, we're delighted to come on board now and the deal that we have mm. in RTE with Camogie Association is that we have the knockout games. We didn't have the rights to the other ones so yeah. it was fantastic to be able to actually see the streamed matches. Um, Elaine, I know you got out of the bunker to a couple of games and you were really impressed with the standard. I did, yeah. It, it's like, I just love going to games and seeing them firsthand but like obviously when you're working in sport and you're working the weekend it's not always possible so to be able to see the streams or catch up on them later on was just absolutely crucial because I think you know in terms of really getting invested in Camogie there's no point in people watching the All-Ireland Final every year and thinking that's you know that that's it you have to be I blew in the face saying it but you have to be invested in the in the journey to really really immerse yourself and enjoy a championship um I think I was very interested to see Tipperary play this year um the kind of uh, tumultuous start to the season they had with with their manager having to step down for for health reasons and the the backroom team stepping up to to fill the role I saw them play their game against um Dublin down in the rag which was the one that secured them advancement Mm. to the um to the quarterfinals which is really really great for that team and they've got such a nice mix now of the young young talent coming through, but also the likes of Mary Ryan and Coach Devan just really hitting top form yeah. quite you know, quite early in the championship season and just running riot. Like yeah. they, they absolutely destroyed Dublin that day. And I think they're going to take huge confidence from reaching the semi final last year. You know, obviously they had a shaky start to the championship this year, you know. Cork beat him convincingly I think it was 15 points that day but I don't think that's a true reflection of tip and I think they've shown great resilience since Bill Milani has you know stepped aside and credit to Neve Lillis and her backroom team you know they've settled the ship again and they're going to be going into this weekend's game against Limerick with you know full confidence and they'll want to get back they, their aim definitely at the start of the year was to get back to that semi-final stage and if not you know progress, progress into a final because they are, after all, another um, 
another former superpower of, yeah. of Camogie. Like in this this generation, you can kind of it's kind of palpable the hunger that they have to kind of get back and reestablish themselves and yeah. close the gap on Cork and, and Kilkenny and once again be competing at that top table. And you see, they have been achieving at underage too and minor and under sixteen, and that is crucial to counties like Tip. And this, it's the same in Watford. I would have worked in Watford for years, and I've seen firsthand what they've done with Watford Camogie Academy. You know their development squads, the amount of work that's going into Watford Camogie as well and it's it's no coincidence that they reached the quarterfinal last year they reached it again and they're going to be going in full confidence you know uh, against Galway this weekend too I was actually really impressed with Waterford. Like even when we talk about issues off the pitch, like coming through, bursting mm-hmm. onto the scene last year in the quarterfinals again this year, and using that profile, Elaine, we were we were talking about it. You know, sometimes, um, you know, if we look at the Wexford situation and some of the younger players probably didn't have the confidence to mm-hmm. go and make demands or to uh, question the county board or the manager's yep. situation. But that Waterford team obviously have a whole pile of gumption, and that's actually going to be reflected on the pitch as well yep. when they make demands like that. Yeah, the Waterford were the story of the. 2018 championship for me I remember seeing them play Kilkenny down going down to watch them in Walter Park playing Kilkenny and they really really put them to the sword and it was it was in the group stages but it, it was kind of the game that 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 secured their advancement yeah. into, into the knockout stages and um, then you have like the likes of say Beth Carton going on and winning the county's first ever all-star yeah. so you know they've come through winning a junior on All-Ireland an intermediate All-Ireland so much talent there kind of coming through as well as the stalwarts who've stuck around the whole time and now they have this really nice mix coming together yeah. um, you know last year was was a massive achievement for them getting to the to the knockout stages mm. but this year like they've had that achievement now and they're they're going now they want to go one better and it's just great to see I think they're a great advertisement for what's possible in developing a, uh, an intercounty camogie team yeah and without a doubt and definitely the level of experience they have on the other side as you said you're getting the likes of Shona Curran and Trish Jackman two key players that would have won those junior and intermediate All-Irelands you know Trish obviously was away with work and Shona Curran had taken a bit of a break from the intercounty setup, and they're two big players to me coming into that setup who have huge experience and will add to the younger girls and like Neve Rocket I just love her as a captain because I think she's such a brilliant attitude. I'd know her well. And, you know, like she she shouldn't really even be still playing like and with the injuries that she's had. And I just think she really is an example for, you know, younger girls. She's a great leader and like she's in top form this year and she's key to Watford. But she's very, yeah. she's very aware of that um, yeah. responsibility to the younger players as well. When she was speaking to us during the week, she was kind of saying, I want to leave the jersey yeah. in a better place because I know my knee and I'm going to have to give up soon. And I know. But she like nearly thrives it. on that responsibility, yeah, does, you know, yeah. and like, even though she is still a very young girl herself, she really is like the mammy to some of the younger girls. And I, I think the younger girls really respect her for that as well. Because, you know, obviously Beth Carton is such an obvious leader, but Neve is just so crucial, for, you know, to Watford for me. And I just think she has kind of transformed this team as well by her leadership qualities. You know, she's in super condition. She's so, the, the fittest I've ever seen her. And, you know, that just, you know, it's credit to her and to Watford's management team. Will it make a difference, you know, with the quarterfinals there, the way they've set up? Um, if you look back in the group stages, Waterford have played more games. They've played six, I think, and yeah. Galway played four, and the same in the other one. Um, Tip have played six games, Limerick have played four. Like, will those games, just speaking about Waterford now, those extra games, and even the game that was abandoned against Tipperary as well, like, they've got so much under their belts in terms yeah. of not even momentum, but just championship experience. Is that going to stand to them? Like, could that be a, a potential... 
banana skin for Galway or a slip yeah, up? Well, or you see, you take it going into this game for Galway. Their last game was against Wexford, a 43 point win. Really, that is of no benefit to Galway going into this game. Whereas Watford have come through that bit of a tougher group. They've, you know, they even had the replayed game uh, against Tipperary. And I think that will stand to them because I do think that Watford need that added confidence going into this game because Galway will be going in as pretty strong favourites, in my opinion. Um, they're a very balanced team. They're the current league champions. But it's really going to show what kind of form Galway are truly in because i seen them against Wexford that day and look, obviously they were in full control, but a training session to them probably would have been a better uh, you know, they're not going to have got much benefit from that game. Whereas Watford, I do think the extra games, you build that bit of momentum, that bit of confidence, and you get to try out a few things that maybe they wouldn't have got to try out if they only had three or four games. So I think the more testing games will stand to, to Watford going into this weekend. That's it. Like, have yeah. all been tested? You know, Michael Kenny, and that's, that's that's really it. That's it. But it's a long time ago as well. Yeah. Wasn't that their first game? Yeah, or? that was their very first game. So, like, really, since then, they've comfortably enough, you know, won the rest of the game. So it will be be interesting to see how they how they'll cope with that Watford challenge because Watford will go into this game full of confidence and want to reach the semi-final stage they are riled up as well for for reasons off the pitch you know you could tell by the tone of their player statement and that they released a couple of weeks ago and like I'd say Don LaRook has them just absolutely fired up and ready to just tear into Galway on Saturday because you know they have had a tumultuous (coughs) run and um, you know with match being abandoned matches being rescheduled at short notice they have obvious frustrations that they have aired and um, you know they aired them very diplomatically with with, with the player's statement but you know they've also got a, a massive game yeah, this Saturday, and they want to go out and make make that statement on the pitch as well. And to be fair, I think what they have, you know, they've made that statement to the Camogie Association and whatever. But I do feel their focus is still on the game. They're like, we will deal with it after. I think it was important that they did make that statement at that time because, but like, they're using the profile. Like I'm saying, it was exactly. a platform. Yeah, they were through to the knockout stages for the second year in a row. Yeah hello how are you I'd like some respect now please and they were able to park it like it's long enough past now before the game that they're able to park it focus on the game no matter what happens at the weekend they'll go back to that stuff off the pitch because you know they've just kind of set that use the platform and um, I think it, I think it way. is important because their point that they were making it's about respect and it's about you know um, you know people have lives the likes of Trish Jackman who missed mm-hmm. that game because of travel and flights and whatever it is respecting players and I definitely think the rule of the fi- five day rule needs to be looked at because you know five days is too short notice for if people have to change work or change flights or have other commitments like it's it's too late for for people to try change things and I think it was important and I think it will raise the standard again from across the board for other counties as well that you know we are camogie players but it's about respecting us as well and valuing what we can contribute and I suppose it's important going forward into next season that that the the existence of that rule has now been highlighted in this manner as well because you know, often you forget about these things in in the rule book until they arise, much yeah. like when we had that coin toss scenario a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. So it's important that that is now on the radar. And I think everyone will be doing their utmost to avoid a similar scenario because it wasn't fair in the Cork players either. You no. know, there's an awful lot of them discommoded by it as well. So it's 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 unfortunate for the two teams involved, but it's also important that it came to the fore. Yeah. Can I ask a question? This might be controversial, and we'll get into the nitty gritty of of match previews in a minute. But <coughs> just on the Watford thing and the the, the, you know, even the, the dual players argument like it's a good few years now since we were having these conversations about hurling and football um, 
because the game, the way it's gone, it's just too hard to to play both. Yeah. Um, and I'm talking about the men. Are we getting to that point now where Camogie and ladies football is catching up with the the competitiveness, the physicality, the commitment to training and sessions? Is it still possible to play dual? I think it's very, very tricky being honest because the standard of training and conditioning that these players are at, just take the likes of the Cork players, like the level of training that they're at from a camogie point of view and her, and football point of view, I, I don't know, can you fully give your 100% to both? You know, I know we've seen Rena and Breach doing it for years, but I think things have even stepped up another level. I think so as well. I don't I think, think I actually don't think it's possible. Yeah. I don't know if you're being fair to yourself and fair to your teammates. I don't know, can you fully give it your all to both setups? To me, I think you're pulled in too many ways, too many directions. How can you realistically play a match, just say in Turles on a Saturday and go play another in Dublin on a Sunday? I, I don't think recovery is there. Um, I think it is becoming across the board that for men or women, it's not possible to do the two. I just don't think you can think do so it. as well. Yeah, yeah. being the, honest. The thing about dual stars is if they're playing at inter-county level, they're most likely doing it at club level as well. Yeah. And they're, they're probably playing Ashburn. And, Ashburn and, yeah. and O'Connor Cup as well. So, you know, you just really worry about um, recovery and, and doing long-term damage. Yeah, you know, and I understand, you know, if you're a talented player, you want to achieve it most and obviously in a situation like Cork you you are having a pretty high percentage of a chance that you might reach a semi-final final in both every year and I know if you're equally talented in both and managers are ringing you and, and you're in demand but I don't know for the long term um, you know a player who wants to play for 9, 10, 12 years you might see the drop off rates that mm-hmm. bit quicker then from you know the likes of Hannah, Loomi, Hannah Looney and Libby Coppinger and that it's just I think it's too hard if you're trying to balance the boat so I really don't think it is possible anymore Yeah that's an interesting one mm. to be to be further yeah. explored maybe in a year's time. Yeah. Um, OK, well, let's look ahead to the matches then, um, because I think we're in for two really good contests. Um, Semple, obviously, we're all headed for Semple on Saturday. Like, you know, Semple is not a home ground for Tipperary Camogie. The, like, there's no two ways about it. No. It's not a home ground for anyone. And they, they I'd say they never get in there. So that's not an issue. No. Um, Limerick young team that running game is that what they're going to do again? Yeah, definitely. I think, and I think the kind of influence of Kieran Carey there is significant. We've seen kind of a couple of the players speaking out since he's come into the setup, and they've kind of really stated his influence. And I think you'll you'll see kind of a really dogged style to Limerick. You know, it's the way Kieran himself played. And Limerick, look at uh, to me, they're a frustrating team at times to watch because they're so up and down and inconsistent. You know, it's only two years since they won the Munster title against Cork, but yet for the last five seasons in the league, they failed to progress past the semi-final. You know, they've reached the semi-final every year, but they seem to, there's something maybe missing, you know, whether it's mental toughness or nerves or the big game gets to them. They just can't seem to get past the semi-final stage um, but yet you know in this year in the championship you know um, they've done you know they've had a bit of an up and down year again um, like the last game against Kilkenny you know it was a heavy defeat well that was I think that was you probably know, said told us more about Kilkenny and yeah, what they're you know meaning business as that's well like 4-23 like, like incredible scoring and I suppose Limerick quickly have to put that out of their head going mm-hmm. into this weekend's game but to me there's not very much between Limerick and Tip I think it's going to be a really interesting 
interesting game and I do think for once for this year I think maybe Neve Mulcahy has been the leading player for Limerick throughout the last 10 years as long as I can remember but in, in fairness you know there's a few other girls that have stepped up to the mark this year Cueva Costello leading by example Rebecca Delee you know some of these players have really stepped up to the fore and then you've Sarah Carey in defence you know so I think it's going to be a very evenly matched uh, contest and a lot of these girls are going to know each other so well through Ashburn Camogie as well you know between UCC UL so I think it's going to be a really intriguing contest I was at that Kilkenny Limerick game um, down in John Locks and um, I interviewed Declan Nash afterwards and he, he made the point to me he was like obviously you know it was kind of a weird interview because on one hand you're congratulating him on, on uh, yeah. making the knockout stages in his first year in charge yeah. for the first time in 14 years for the county but then on the flip side you're trying to dissect a 22 point uh, defeat and he basically said you know there's nothing like that Kilkenny hammering to get you kind of a, a really really loud wake up call for yeah. the standard of what's ahead in the knockout stages so although obviously it was a heavy defeat I do think it will stand to them in a way because there's no better way to see the standard of, of the yeah. other teams there than all six forwards scoring from play in the opening half hour. Like. Well, the thing is, it definitely uh, you know leads to no complacency in the setup. Everyone knows the need to step it up a notch, and I'm sure the last kind of week or two, the intensity in training I would expect has been you know really uh, brought up in another level. And as you said, look at it gives Declan Nash and his management team uh, an opportunity to to see the standard that's there. Kilkenny are up at the top, and it maybe shows them maybe areas that they need to work on and improve on, and how they can maybe curb some of these bigger known players and the same with like look at some of the tip players as you mentioned Mary Ryan Kite Devan mm. um, you know Limerick are going to have to do serious minding on them on Saturday as well they're pretty strong at the back though aren't they Limerick they they don't concede a whole like, apart from that game now yeah. but they're very strong at the back um, I'm actually looking forward to seeing what that full forward line is going to do because you know they're actually I mean we talk about Neve Mulcahy yeah. um, at centre forward and yes she has been a shy I actually don't think they're over reliant on her I know that's probably an argument that we've yeah. had over the last number of years but like if you look at you mentioned Re- Rebecca Delee but then in the corners Quiva Lyons and, and Quiva uh, Costello are going yeah. to start as well and like they can do damage if they all click at the same time I think they could do serious damage and that's what I uh, that's what I like about Limerick this year there's more options there's not just the so- uh, sole focus on Neve Mulcahy because Tip are going to be, I would imagine, going to bring the extra player back. They're mm. going to have that kind of sweeper in place there. Mary Ryan loves sweeping across, yeah. you know, the half-back line. And Limerick, to me, are going to be, their danger area is that full forward line and give them half a chance. Like, we've seen in the league against Kilkenny, Limerick were pretty dangerous. If they could get the finish right, they could have beaten Kilkenny that day, so... And the thing is, you know, they gave a really good account of themselves against Galway in the other, you know, tough game yeah. of that group. They lost by five points, but they were not without their chances. And that's the thing. If it can just click so that they convert can convert those chances that mm-hmm. they have running in on goal, it, it could all come good for them on Saturday and they could really push Tipperary. Yeah. Tip have so many good players all over the field though, don't they? Like and I know we talk about traditional powerhouses, but like they're not gone anywhere. Like they've so many strong players. Um that midfield, the two Ryans, like that's lethal, but will Will they stay midfield or will do you think they'll do the sweeper? I think Mary probably will do a lot of sweeping across the half back line because as I said, to kind of curb that 
influence and threat that's in the full forward line for Limerick and she did it she was incredible at it last year in particular for that quarter final and semi-final against Watford and Cork I felt that she was probably the key player for tip overall that kept them in that game for so long against Cork but also um, drove them past the line when they had to um, you know get past uh, Watford in the quarter final and you know Beth Carton in that game last year had to come out in the half hour line to nearly get the ball into her because mm. Mary was having such an influence and she's just such a stylish player you know she's in around the same age as me she's been there for 10 plus years and she's still to me uh, you know the main leader on that tip team overall Coach Devan then obviously is the danger woman, isn't she? Yeah, without a doubt. And look, she is ably assisted, you know, by uh, a couple of the younger girls, Grace O'Brien and Arena Friday and that as well. But, you know, the one thing that Limerick will have to be careful is, you know, obviously uh, watching their discipline, cutting down on freeze because give Kite, you know, half a chance and she'll put that ball over the bar from freeze. But she's excellent from open play and creating chances for other forwards. And she's very versatile too because she can play in the full forward forward line half forward, half forward line and even she likes roaming out around midfield at times too because she's got a great strike at the ball and she will kind of thrive off playing on a pitch like uh, Semple Stadium Ailish McDonald actually is a player who's really impressed me for them this year she is particularly in, in the Dublin game she was absolutely phenomenal and um, just really 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 impressed with her and the way she kind of the, the link play with, with with the two rounds in the middle of the park as well um, I think they've got a lot of firepower going into this match it's going to be very intriguing to see how they some of those players though like I think their last game was against Meath was it? Their last group yeah, game was against Meath now, they didn't play a lot of those players again in that game so yeah. like in terms of freshness and coming into like a really important knockout championship match like how how dangerous is that that you didn't play that those that like the big players didn't get match experience for the last month basically yeah and I suppose maybe Tip were using it to kind of test out the strength of the panel um, test out some of the girls who are on the fringe of the team and maybe it was a good opportunity but you know it nearly backfired in a way too because they nearly lost the game against Mead um, and credit to Mead for that as well but yeah, I kind of can see what you mean that when you have maybe a gap of a month where you haven't played a competitive... You've seen it in the hurling. Yeah, it you can. Know, We've seen it with you know, Limerick, yeah. you know, um, they, they left off players or whatever. Uh, seen with Wexford, obviously Wexford did pretty good in the hurling, but um, the month can, you know, you're when you're not getting a competitive game, yeah, it's all well and good playing training matches, but um, you can't beat that competitive... It's the start, you see. It's yeah. the very start of the game and like you mentioned Limerick in the hurling and they got off to an awful start against yeah. Kenny, and, and you're playing catch and up, what, and they're playing catch up. Yeah. And if you're in that position, um, it's just not ideal. It's not ideal no. in a game like that. And for both like. these teams, getting a, a good start is mm. crucial because to me, your confidence will build, you'll get momentum. And uh, if you can get on top of either side of the team, you know, that's when the doubts start coming into the head and maybe past defeats start coming into the head. So it'll be interesting. I think whoever gets the better start on uh, Saturday between Limerick and Tip is going to be, you know, in, in with a good chance by the end of it then. Are Tip your favourites? I think Tip are going to win. Yeah, mm. um, yeah. I just can't, can't. I think it'll be. I think it'll be tight. I think Limerick have a big performance in them, but I think Tip just have. You know, I think they just have the edge that that'll get them over the line. And I know the Mead game. You know, you have to bear in mind you've a new management, you've a new manager here as well. You know, who wants wasn't to see the players? Yeah, yeah who yeah. wants to see the players? Who wasn't in charge during preseason? Obviously, knows the players inside out, yeah. but might have her own ideas that that she's kind of thinking going into the knockout stages. Right, I might tinker with a few things here. Um, they were losing that match at half time. She brought on the big guns off the bench. 
they clawed it back and got the win. You know, that in itself will stand to them in a different way. Than Job done, basically. Yeah. 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 You know. Okay. Um, let's look at the other game then on Saturday. You'd have to imagine the pressure here is all on Galway. Without a doubt, because look, as I said, uh, they're going in as current league champions. Um, everyone will have them in, in as pretty strong favourites going into the game. And uh, Watford is a, a really tricky team to play. So to me, the pressure is on on Galway. You know, again, you know, um, in the first round, they lost to Kilkenny. That to me, you know, psychologically, you know, Kilkenny had won, you know, a chance to get back at him after the league final. But, you know, they'll want to prove that it wasn't just a flash in the pan winning that league. So they'll be going all guns out to get back into a semi-final at least. But to me, definitely the pressure is on Galway more so than Watford. Watford have kind of uh, got their target back you know that they wanted to reach the quarterfinal stages again and they've done that um, obviously it'll be an added bonus and they're not going to be just showing up to, for the crack on Saturday they they full intent and confidence that they can beat Galway you know there was only what six points in it in the league this year uh, and Watford probably didn't utilise the, the win they had that day I remember um, the day it was on down in uh, the sports campus in Watford and they probably didn't utilise as I said in the first half they had a strong wind and they didn't really use it to full advantage. So I think it's going to be a really interesting game. Um, and Watford, sometimes, you know, when you're a, a real young side, I think uh, you don't have any fear or nerves. I think Watford, you know, maybe showed some nerves and that last year down in Parky Cueve. I think maybe the big day maybe got to some of the younger girls, whereas they'll have gained massive experience and learning from that and even Neve Rocket said that in one of her interviews saying that last year you know maybe the things like it being on the television in a big stadium some of the players maybe didn't deal with it in the best way whereas this year I don't think that's going to phase them as much so um, I think it's going to be a very interesting game but obviously Watford I think will have to play to their full max to to beat, to beat Galway because Galway to credit to him have a very strong team mm. and a very strong back line in particular that I think it's hard to break down uh, Sarah Durvin full back as usual is there cleans up cleans up yeah. it's that half back line you know Lorraine Ryan Heather Cooney um, they're quite versatile too and they're very good man markers you know I was just going to ask you that will they play their own play 15 on 15 and just just do their own thing and see what Waterford can deal with it well I think like if uh, to me I wouldn't be putting Beth Carton in full forward on Sarah Durvin if I was from a Waterford perspective because I think that just suits Galway down to the ground they'll they'll bring back possibly an extra player you know to uh, cover the space in front of Beth and I think it becomes like too much like a dogfight between Sarah and, and Beth then if, if, if Beth is in I'd there. hate to see the two of them cancel the that's, cancel each other out and not see them at their best as well you know yeah, and just from a neutral point of view that's what I would feel as well that I actually think you might get more out of Beth if you had her wing or corner forward mm. because I think you want a player like her in the thick of it because she's such an incredible player and I think the link play between her and Neve Rocket is really um, it's it's great to watch but yeah, they know each other really they, well they you know instinctively know where they are on yeah. the pitch and I think the fact that you have Trish Jack- Jackman in the setup with Watford as well that adds to Neve's game because I felt last year Neve nearly had to come back so far in defence at times to win possession and win balls whereas now you nearly have Trish and the likes of Shona Curran winning that ball uh, this year and it, and it allows Neve then to push up further up the field to get the scores and she has been sco- in great scoring form this year 
and that's key for Watford. Yeah, I, I kind of get the impression of Galway that they are just absolutely ravenous for silverware. Obviously, they got their hands on the league title, but, you know, they've lost three semifinals in a row now and, and a final before it. So they want to be up there held in the same regard as Cork and Kilkenny, and they're going to start making that statement now on Saturday. Mm. I think the way the group stages were structured, it was a real shame that that Kilkenny-Galway match was the opening match. Yeah. Like on June 15th, the teams in that group, that's the game you want last in the fixtures. That's the game. It decided the group on, yeah. on day one, yeah. basically. Mm. Like it was going to take a massive shock to, to against that Kilkenny team to flip it. And I think in terms of kind of building towards the quarterfinals, there was a bit of an opportunity missed there in the structure of, of the fixtures. But sure, look, all credit to Kilkenny. They, they got out of the traps fast and got that win over Galway. But again, that defeat will stand to them. Yeah, you are right though. They are absolutely going for silverware. And this is the way they have to go again, third year in a row, they're in yeah. the quarterfinals. And they actually, that'll give them a bit of an edge as well. They probably think, God, we should have made it into the semi-finals straight through. You know, that even that edge. And that, that will why frustrate are we here? them. We should be in the last four exactly. automatically. You know, yeah, that will frustrate. I think that will frustrate them. Yeah. Um, I just would worry that they haven't really been tested, tested. too much since that Kilkenny game. And as you said, that was that was the only. that was the fifteenth of June. It's now pushing on. You know, the middle of August. Um, that's two full months where they haven't really got an overly tough game. Whereas on the flip side, Watford came through an extremely tough group. Um, you know, and their last game was against. Cork, the current All Ireland champions, and they put up a mighty display against them. And the scoreline probably doesn't really truly reflect how close it was. And I know conditions weren't ideal or whatever, but they, you know, they, if they can see that they were kind of within the last kind of 10 15 minutes still in it against Cork, they'll take confidence uh, going into this weekend that if they're still within it uh, 10 minutes to go, anything could happen. And as kind of Neve said as well, you know, she was kind of referencing, you know, about Leash winning, beating Dublin this year in the Harland and kind of maybe the underdog ta- tag will suit them going in and anything, anything can happen in sport. And, you know, um, I think we've seen that in the last couple of years, whether it's Camogie, football, Harland, you know. Anything can happen. Waterford have a massive job in their hands, though, in containing Aoife Donoghue. Like, she has just been sensational in, in the middle of the park this year. Like, they really are going to have to figure out some some way to contain her because everything comes through her. I was just going to ask, is that where, like, in the middle there, is that where it's going to be won and lost? Is, are we going to be relying on puck outs and all that strategy stuff or... Yeah, I think the middle third is definitely, as I said, that half back line for Galway to me is like launches attack after attack. But in fairness, the one player who I think actually will pick up um, Aoife Donoghue on Saturday will probably be Lorraine Bray. Now, I'd know her through kind of Ashburn Camogie. And she, to me, uh, she's a bit like Aoife. You could find her anywhere on the pitch. She's so lively. She's like an energizer bunny going around, <laughs> but she's well able to hurl. Uh, so she's able to, I think she'll pick up Aoife um, and she'll follow Aoife wherever she can go but like we've seen in the league final some of the scores that Aoife got against Kilkenny she's capable of scoring points from 40-50 metres out but also because she's so used to playing in the forwards she has the intelligence to know what kind of ball suits the girls inside um, she she knows the likes of Ailish O'Reilly or Noreen Cohen in the full forward line don't like a big high ball so she knows to hit it out to the side uh, low ball in front of them to run onto and I think that's kind of why it works for her at midfield because her being a forward for so long she knows what kind of ball will suit will suit the attack could they do they have the do they have the options do they have um yeah the options on the bench and on the field to 
pretty much call it on the day and see how a goalie are playing. Like, do they have the option to go sweeper or go what, like whatever way they want? Because they have played sweeper before. Yeah, and I, I think they probably will. Yeah. I think they will kind of have... Galway to me um, will always bring back the extra player and they'll either try to have possibly Heather Cooney as a sweeper Tara Kenny is excellent at it she kind of was playing the sweeper role for me against Wexford now I know that was a non-contest but she was kind of sweeping in front of Sarah Darwin and any ball that came in on top of Sarah she just laid off the hand pass to Tara and they cleared it down the line so there is options for that then you've got Neve Neve Kilkenny who we haven't even mentioned and she's so Mm. versatile to me, she's going to either be kind of half forward or midfield and it's the ground that she can cover. Like she's been the most consistent midfield uh, mid- midfielder in Camogie for the last 10 years um, and she's crucial to the attack for um, Galway because, as I said, the combination of her and Aoife Donoghue uh, the ground that they can cover and the fitness levels that they have, but also the score taken that they can have. Um, Watford are going to have to really watch that from the start of the game. Waterford, like, I mean, they had, they, the first game against Tipperary, for example. Were you at that game? The first game, the one that got abandoned? No, I wasn't. No, so, like, they weren't gone. They, you know, they were in that game. They had the measure of Tipperary. um, And even that alone will stand to them against a team like Galway. Um, I'm just wondering, is it a step? Is it another step too far? Well, it's going to be a step up from even playing Tipperary last year in the quarterfinal. I think they know that themselves. But in saying that, taking the positive out of it, I think they're they're after gaining a couple of players, as I've mentioned previously. They've got that added year of experience. Um, they're competing at the high level uh, and able to compete at it. As I said, they're not just making up numbers. Right up to the last ten minutes in that Cork game, they were they were within you know three four points. No one has touched Cork this year really in the championship, other than Waterford. So, um, I think they they'll learn a lot from last year. I think Don Laurel is an excellent manager he seems to get the best out of the players they respond well to him even the fact that Galtier reached the Intermediate Club All-Ireland this year they've got a few of the girls Annie Fitzgerald um, Kira Jackman in the goal like even playing in Crow Park on a big day like that you learn so much I think you know the big day is not going to get to him as much but Galway is going to be a, a, such a stern test and I think Galway as you said are frustrated that yeah. they're nearly at quarter final stage again they want to be considered that they're in the top two that they're not just number three that they're lagging behind or Cork even just automatically Kenny. in the top four exactly. they're, they're not automatically in the top four and no. I think that actually has annoyed them the last few years yeah. well look it'll show their kind of resilience and character this weekend you know uh, and the statement of intent that they're wanting to make uh, and I think they will be all guns blazing because they'll just want to get through the game and then focus on the semi-final without being you know complacent about the game on Saturday but to me everyone will be tipping Galway to win um, but I don't think it's going to be as straightforward as that either. What matchups are you looking out looking out for or looking forward to? Well, as I, I suppose as we mentioned, definitely the kind of uh, what the, they'll do between Sarah. Yeah, and Bet. Be, between Sarah and Bet. Um, I like Bet to me is just lethal and most dangerous, closest to goal. But for me, I would actually probably vary it up a little bit. I'd even play her on the corner, maybe wing to kind of. We want her on the ball because she's such an influential player for Watford. Um, and I think then, um, like as you said, around the middle with Aoife Donahue and that as well. Um, Ailish O'Reilly, look, it has been on fire. We haven't even mentioned her. Yeah, I was just going to say, know, like, there's an all star in the bag there if she plays well, do you know? What you I mean? know, like Ailish has just been, and like she's the greatest goal poacher supreme. Yeah. Um, 
um, and she consistently, you know, that goal threat is there. But in fairness, Noreen Cohen has been excellent this year for Galway too. So I think um, Watford are going to have to be very, very wary of that goal threat uh, and trying to keep it very, very tight because give Ailish half a chance and she will turn you and she has only one thing on her mind and that's a goal. Yeah. What about you, matchups? Oh, I think in middle of the park all the way, just first of all, to see who's in there. Obviously, yeah, the, yeah. the team will be named and, and it, it it won't be worth the paper it's written on. You'll see movement in, in the first 30 seconds and then you'll really yeah. see who's going to be picking up who. But um, yeah, I'm interested to see the midfield battle. I think it's going to be key. OK, um, Ursula, can I ask you, though, uh, for winners on Saturday and who you might expect to see in September? I know you probably can't call that before you see the quarterfinals, but even just a prediction for the way you think it's going to fall. Yeah. Because um, obviously, as we know, the draw is seeded. The draw will be live on RT, by the way, after the games on Saturday. OK, um, well, I suppose Tip and Limerick. Um, I think they're two very evenly matched teams, but I, for some reason, I just think Tip have kind of... Um, proven that they're seriously mean in business this year and I think they want to get back to a semi-final and I think they're going to do it. I think maybe Limerick, you know, have made the step up and have reached the quarterfinal for the first time. Um, but I just think Tip's experience and overall balance in the team is going to do it for them. Then the Watt for Galway game, I think Galway are going in as very, very strong favourites, being honest. I, mm. I, I do think they are. Um, I think Watford um, have really, really improved on last year's performances in the championship. And as you said, Elaine, they, to me, were nearly the team of, you know, of the year last year and how they progressed. And they're an, an exciting team to watch. I like you know, watching Watford play, I still think Galway will probably have too much for him on Saturday. Being honest, I just think there's options in the bench. Bench there's the influential players as we mentioned, uh, like the Sarah Darvins and um, Aoife Donahue's and Eve Kilkenny's. Uh, so I just think overall Galway are going to be too strong, and I just think that frustration of wanting to be back in a semi-final final is going to get him over the line. And then looking past that, um, to be honest, like I, I, I can't look past Galway, or Kilkenny and Cork. I just think I know, and they are, they will be on opposite sides of the draw. Yeah, um, I, I, I can't either. I don't know, Lane. Like, I mean, and that's not no disrespect to anyone else. I just uh, think there's yeah. so much. There is a lot of hunger on both sides. I know Cork obviously have the incentive of doing the three in a row, but Kilkenny yeah. just want to beat that team. They, and they want to beat them in September. And to be honest, I've seen Kilkenny three times this year and I've never seen them as fit in since I've played them or in the last number of years. I, I just think whatever kind of training Anne Downey has them doing, they are so sharp, mm. they're hurling. Every single one of them seem to know where the other player is, the person in the best position takes the score. I think there's a bit of a, a maturity about the Kilkenny team and just the heart of the previous two All-Irelands has to be in the back of their mind. I know if that was me, my God, all you'd be thinking is, you know, wanting to get back to Crow Park. I would worry slightly about the gap that is forming between Cork, Kilkenny and the rest. And the rest. Yeah. Look at some of the results in the group games. Like Cork, the only, the, you know, the, the closest game was the, the Cork-Watford game, which was, what, six or seven points. But the rest of the 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 wins for Cork were 19 points 18 points Kilkenny beat Limerick by 19 points Kilkenny beat Warf- or Wexford by 43 points I would worry about the gap that's forming between them and that's not Kilkenny or Cork's fault you know their standards are so so high they're training as serious as men's teams 
but I would worry that there is that gap forming. When we do get to go and see Cork eventually in the semi-finals, like Ashley Thompson is a big loss, isn't she, to that team? Yeah, without a doubt, uh, she's a huge loss. Uh, she, as I said, she she's a leader. She does a huge amount of work on the field and she's a seriously tough player to mark. But in fairness now, I've seen Cork kind of twice throughout the championship this year and you can see some of the girls that won the intermediate All Ireland stepping up, the, you know, la- from last year, um, and they're trying to make an impression on the team. And even kind of, it's nice to see Breach back around playing. She she was playing midfield against Dublin that day in Dublin, and she's just roaming around doing her bit. And she can be an effective player too because you don't need all the the same kind of players with Cork. What Ashling Thompson brought to Cork was a lot of work rate and mm. tackles and hooks and blocks. Someone like a Breach Corkery can do that just as effective. She may not be the same style of player, but um, she can add a lot to the setup too. And I just think the fact that Cork, the last two times they've went to go for the three in a row, they've failed to achieve it. So um, I think it's going to be a, a really interesting thing, but I, I just can't see past Cork and, any, so and Galway. And we're Galway like a, will be... <laughs> We're like Chomping month, at the bit. <laughs> a month away from the final and we're already talking about that but like can anyone upset that apple cart Elaine? Um, personally I think Kilkenny would relish stopping a Cork three in a row as yes. much as they would getting their own hands on the O'Duffy Cup to be honest. <laughs> yeah. They're just yeah. and I think the winter of discontent is actually palpable like watching them against Limerick just I I don't know Hazan had them pulling tractors up hills with their teeth down in Kilkenny or something but they are in such incredible shape yeah. and just the, the the show that they put on 1 to 15 and then whoever came off the bench doing an, e- an equally good job and Downey's hard, hardest job is who to give the 15 jerseys to mm. Mm. those scores came from all over the field as well that 423 didn't it all over yeah. the park yeah. and you know their first five points were from play in the opening five minutes they have two incredible free takers who yeah. can hit them from anywhere. I'm just going to say, how was the ball not pulled up and yeah. the five frees in the first five minutes? And uh, yeah, rock solid at the back. Yeah. Um, I just think that just the, the sense I got from watching them that day, there is just a next level that that, that they yeah. hit and that they're just ready. And I even think the fact that they've made the transition of pushing and Dalton up the field. Like, and Dalton at half forward. Yeah, like I, I would have played Ashburn with her now in the forwards. And you see, Anne is such an intelligent player, but I think Anne Downey, if she reflects back on the last couple of years, she knows that maybe they were missing an extra uh, player up the field. That Like Anne Dalton, to me, can play anywhere. She's an incredible player, but she's adding that, you know, extra dimension to that car uh, to that Kilkenny attack. It eases off the pressure on maybe a Katie Power or a Michelle Quilty. And Dalton's win, ball winning abilities is just incredible and I think that's added something to Kilkenny this year. She scored two goals in that Limerick game as well and she absolutely filleted the defence on the yeah. run to, like they were self-made. Like she's just, she's been in incredible form yeah. already. Yeah. Okay, well lots to look forward to. Thank you Ursula for coming in to join no us bad. today. Uh, myself and Elaine are looking forward to the coverage at the weekend. We are on air from 5 o'clock on Saturday from Semple Stadium. Please do share this episode of The W far and wide to get everyone you know championship ready and don't forget to hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for joining us. 